So welcome to Hope is Not a Strategy, the podcast with strategy stories by and for real strategy makers. My name is Christian Underwood, entrepreneur and strategy maker. My name is Jürgen Weigand. I'm a professor of economics, as you have already heard, at WHU or the Beisheim School of Management, which is based in Fallenda in Düsseldorf in Germany. With our podcasts, we try to demystify strategy and show that strategizing can be a very valuable and useful approach in very volatile times as we're in right now. And today, as Jörg said, we do it for the first time live, Jürgen, and uh, I'm really happy to be here in Luxembourg. So thank you very much for this opportunity at uh, the Sustainable Banking Forum, which is really special for us to be here. So thanks a lot. Um, yeah. Yeah, we're actually very intrigued doing a podcast live now yes. with an audience <laughs> which is digital. But first of all, my our thanks go to Jörg and Daniel for having invited us and giving us the opportunity to share our thoughts on a very important topic, namely sustainability in the banking sector. Absolutely, Jürgen. And today we have a special audience. Currently, there are around 100, 120 people out there, bankers out there, um, in front of their cre uh, screens uh, with a special interest to understand how, sustainable, uh, how sustainability should work in their institution. And there will be plenty of inspiration, as Jörg already said. And uh, yeah, but why are we here, Jürgen? <laughs> This is a question now. We introduced ourselves. Um, yeah, we love strategy. So that's our passion. And uh, in these uncertain times, only one thing is certain. Uh, hope is not a strategy and uh, a forward-looking direction for your bank has never been more important especially when it comes to sustainability and ESG and as always we start our podcast with a nice leading question and with this tradition we don't want to break today Jürgen okay. so um, I think climate change is the biggest market failure in history and what is our answer The market with the banks should solve it now. So the question uh, for me is, can banks invent something really disruptive, something that radically changes the world to a positive? Or don't they often do more harm than good? <laughs> Thank you, Christian, for this provocative uh, question. Since I'm an economist, I start with the first part, namely, is climate change indeed a market failure? Mm -hmm. So I don't want to really dig into economic theory, but uh, yeah. climate change is not a market. It's a very, very important external force disrupting many things right now and also affecting markets in a way we haven't thought about before. Mm -hmm. uh, those of you who are a little bit familiar with economic terms, there is uh, externalities. So things that spill over uh, in unintended, basically. And here for the first time, at least in, in recent history, it's the global activities that spill over in a way that endanger our planet. So I think we all have to play a role in that, mm. and banks, of course, specifically. Well, the other question, have banks done more harm than good? Well, uh, recently, banks have been bad-mouthed for their behavior. Mm. Everyone thinks back to the financial crisis of 2008, and banks didn't play that kind of responsible role we would have expected. But still, the history of banks is much longer. It goes back to the Middle Ages, right? When somewhere in Italy, money changers took care of your money and helped uh, travelers to not be put at risk. 
So in that sense, they have a role to play their intermediaries, mm -hmm. which is a good thing. It alleviates, it facilitates business, of course, but it's also a problem for the banks because intermediaries, since they make money, they are target to be basically replaced and displaced. Now with the technologies available, I'm just thinking about fintechs mm -hmm. using technologies to disrupt the traditional banking industry. So but for whatever banks have done good, they are challenged now by challenges who use a completely different approach. And I think uh, to, for the banks to become the kind of intermediaries in a digital age mm -hmm. is a big challenge, irrespective of what we just uh, talked about ESG. That's another dimension. Mm -hmm. So intermediaries are still there, right? Mm -hmm. But you also remember the stories of Uber or Airbnb. Mm -hmm. They disrupted existing business models by using technology. Mm -hmm. And the big traditional banks, be it in private banking or also in corporate banking, have to think more deeply about that aspect. Can they be easily replaced? Is anyone going to miss them tomorrow if they're not there anymore? <laughs> right now, I think everyone, because we have bankers in the audience, would say, of course, we will be missed greatly. Yeah. I doubt that. Things are changing so rapidly. Mm -hmm. We have to have some kind of a plan because hope is not a plan. Absolutely. But Jürgen, with all these challenges, and you named it from the client side, and also Jörg talked about it. Uh, yes. Uh, the, the banks are in the line of fire, I would say. And uh, are banks even capable of solving this problem for humanity? Huh? We're, when we're talking about sustainability, and that's what, what it's all about. Huh? Yeah, but that's much too big. We can't expect banks be the drivers of change. I mean, what we have learned about climate change and all the influences coming with it, this is a geopolitical issue. This has to be solved at the government level. And then it trickles down to the different elements of your system. So we're in a much, much broader system. Mm. Of course, banks uh, play an important role still today as uh, the uh, engines in the financial sector mm -hmm. of our economies. But there's also a real sector of the economy. And this is where the pressure also for banks come from, because governments, uh, policymakers, put a lot of pressure now on the real sector, mm. the manufacturing industries and so on, to somehow get a CO2 footprint, which is basically balanced. And this is very difficult. And banks as financiers of the real sector have to go along. So they have to develop their own strategies that align with what is needed in the real sector of the economy. But uh, then when we look at the business model of the bank, so you, you talked about the history, uh, the, the money changes, so the, the, the traditional business model of banks changed all over. But uh, this, yeah, the, the current business model of banks as we know it, is it still viable for, for the future? I'm thinking of, you know, the large cost uh, uh, pressure that they have, uh, so many people, Uh, and, and, and all that stuff. The fast digital providers, neobanks, you talked about that. Uh, we also see that in, in, in different countries. And now ESG and sustainability kicks in. Yeah, that puts a lot of pressure on the traditional banks. And we have to be clear about the de definition of banks. Mm -hmm. What we actually mean right now is the private banking or the corporate banking. Sure. There's also investment banking. I leave that out of the picture. But in private banking, what is the role of banks? We put our money into the bank account and we want to get an interest on the bank account, mm -hmm. hopefully, right? <laughs> and banks transform that into uh, lending. So there's a transformation, a maturity transformation. They borrow short and they lend long. 
And who are the customers in private banking? It's us. Mm-hmm. But now you are an example. You have already switched. You're not with a traditional bank anymore. Yes. You don't go into a branch office. You don't need a bank with all of these overheads, right? And this is the challenge. This is the legacy costs of the traditional banking industry. They have to find ways to, first of all, digitally transform. Mm-hmm. Second, make sure that on the people's front, they get it right. Because mm-hmm. when Deutsche Bank says we're going to lay off 5,000 people, there's a big outcry in the economy. What's going on there? Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of challenges they are facing. And there are also a lot of overcapacities in the market. Yeah? There are more players than you may need. Mm. So, especially in the especially in the German banking market, as we say. Uh, yes, of course, especially in the German banking market. I think in the German banking market, uh, true consolidation is utterly needed. Mm. It hasn't been done over the past years. The government bailed out mm-hmm. the well-known banks in Germany. I mean, there are pros and cons to that, but there is a lot of um, need for reform, mm. fundamental reforms. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I just want to share a personal story uh, on that because uh, you, you said about the client, the private client we're talking about now. And uh, for me, I'm a private client on the one side and I own several startup businesses with banking accounts. So uh, what do you think? I, in the last two months, I tried to find a bank to get all my accounts, uh, to, to get it to one bank and uh, have a nice service, ha- has one person that I can contact. And I reached out to nearly 20 banks in Germany um, and um, via email, via their website, via phone, uh, via everything. And um, how many banks do you think yeah. <laughs> got feedback to me? I have no hope for a good answer to that. Yeah. So it's only a very few. And uh, the problem I see it's here a, is... Sorry, it's a zero. Zero. It's zero. a zero. I got no response on that. No, so. this is even worse. <laughs> so um, not just in banking, but overall, people mm-hmm. talk about customer centricity. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's just a buzzword because whatever happens to us customers, when we yeah. go there, it's not going to be delivered for whatever reason. So mm-hmm. and this is a disaster. And then if the traditional banks really want to move forward and survive and not become the dinosaurs of our a century, basically, they really have to come up with something that satisfies the customers, mm. which makes us go, be it physically or digital, to these banks. Otherwise, we're out of the game. We mm. find other ways to satisfy our needs. Yeah, absolutely. But coming back to sustainability and ESG um, we're talking about today, uh, and, you know, it's affecting everything. That's why we're also looking at the client side and the, the digital part and the, also the competition. But When we look at that, Jürgen, um, what kind of strategic course of actions do banks really have applying ESG strategy? Do we have a, you know, a, a matrix, a, a thing that we can see? What kind of ways do they yeah. follow? Jörg mentioned that before we can't have an ESG strategy as such. We can't have just a marketing strategy. Mm. We need something overarching. And this is typically what we call business strategy, the corporate strategy, depending mm-hmm. on the size of the company. Mm-hmm. So it needs to be integrated. Yes, we are quite clearly, the ESG criteria have become so important now, you can't ignore them anymore. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't make sense to jump on some kind of a bandwagon and run behind people who only promote ESG. Mm-hmm. By the way, since we're from Germany, yeah. uh, when you look at the German laws, not just recent ones, but over the past 150 years, Sustainability and ESG criteria are in some laws. So if you want to run a company mm-hmm. with diligence and in responsibility to all your stakeholders, mm-hmm. you have to be sustainable. 
you have to acknowledge the fact that there has to be really good corporate governance and that you also look at the environment. The environment is part of the stakeholder system. So I'm always surprised when people come up and say, oh, this is new, this is ESG. Ten years ago, we talked about something else called CSR, Corporate Social Responsibility. Mm. Is that gone? Don't we need it anymore? So sometimes I really can't get it, mm -hmm. what exactly these buzzwords mean and how they should play out. Yeah, but um, coming back a little bit on the on the strategic course of action. So when we when we look at the banks and uh, look at how they adapt to ESG, so I, I think we can see three main uh, drivers or, or areas of action. Whether so, the first thing and the, the main thing is avoiding things, huh? avoiding bad things that doesn't fit into the ESG uh, 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 matrix. Uh, then we have things where they are promoting stuff, which I think is also a really, really good thing, promoting the good, the positive one. But on the other hand, we have then a third one. And this is always, when you look at the percentages, what uh, banks are really doing, and this is the real impact area, the, where they are really promoting the change. And you already said it, in the past, banks are not the driver of the change, but they can be a driver of the change. Absolutely, they can be part of the change. Uh, I said earlier that um, intermediaries facilitate mm. business. And as facilitators, they can also be catalysts. So if they have clients to, with whom they have to align because the mm. clients need ESG as part of their overarching strategy, yeah. they can do the same for themselves, right? Integrated, and they can be proactive. We love strategy, right? And strategy is all about being proactive, not waiting for things to happen, but mm -hmm. looking ahead, anticipating things, consequences of changes. So if I'm proactive, I'm in that area you just mentioned, promotion and change rather than just avoidance. Avoidance is something mechanic. So you have some kind of a regulation and now you have to do it. And you go through it and you try to avoid all kinds of things that could be harmful. And then you identify what things are harmful rather than being proactive and going out there, talking to the clients, talking to other stakeholders, saying, well, what is it that you expect from us? Mm -hmm. uh, customer centricity is one aspect. I would call it stakeholder centricity. Who is on board? Who has to be integrated when we think about our business strategy to be aligned with ESG criteria? So this is a much bigger thing. Mm. When, but 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 just let me uh, let me do an example. I'm you know I'm in in strategy consulting as you know, and uh, there are a lot of business owners uh, that I work with, and when they now think on ESG, uh, they always think on maybe will I get a, a, a fine the, the next financing for my company? Uh, do I met all the criteria? And they are really afraid if a bank now relies too much on the passive avoidance strategies. Uh, maybe tomorrow they reject a customer uh, or refuse financing because they do not meet certain environmental criteria. But then on the other side, uh, people may be laid off. And then it comes to the S in ESG and uh, the bank itself heard then social criteria. So will banks now become the yardstick for responsible corporate governance with a little role model from them in the past? I think uh, it's completely irrespective in which area of business you are. Mm. You are responsible. If you run a company, if you have people employed, then you're responsible. 
as an entrepreneur, as a senior executive, you're responsible and accountable for what you have been doing and will be doing. Um, and for banks, the same holds. Huh? Of course, the social component is an important one. And again, I'm always surprised that this is now, especially in Germany, so lifted. Mm -hmm. Why? Because we live in a social market economy. This is how I grew up as an economist, talking about social aspects mm -hmm. at the macro level. But they also have to be implemented at the micro level. And I think what needs to be done on the banking front is, if you have clients, they will be afraid of paperwork. What does it mean for me? Mm -hmm. huh? Does it destroy my business model? explanations, helping them understand what they can do and what they could do. Mm -hmm. So banks should create some kind of an information advantage, trying a challenge, something they actually don't like, into something that gives them an advantage. Absolutely. So let's look at the various strategic levels, Jürgen. You already mentioned uh, some of them and also Jörg did that with the walk the talk thing and not just thinking on the ESG strategy uh, because there's also, let's say, the sustainability strategy that can be a different one than to adapting to ESG. And then we have also, of course, the risk strategy of a bank, as we saw it on the slide, um, but also the product strategy. So it's the next thing. And with product strategy, business strategy comes in and then corporate strategy. But we see even banks now looking at their mission or vision statement or their purpose and trying to incorporate now sustainability there. And uh, for me, I always ask the question, if as a bank you haven't had that much to do with sustainability in the past, uh, yeah, what do you think about that? Is that really walk the, walk the talk is going to the future? But, you know, now all banks try to be sustainable. <laughs> Christian, not all of the banks want to be sustainable. Everyone tries to be sustainable. Everyone, yeah. That's and actually right. coming back to what I said earlier, um, as leaders, as entrepreneurs, as managers, we have to have that kind of sense of urgency for sustainability because mm. I can't just take a short-term perspective and after that perspective, I don't care anymore. We're responsible beyond our own tenure. And this is now why I would address the leaders, the senior executives. You are responsible and accountable beyond your own tenure. So you have to look ahead and make your organization sustainable. And this is also something the banks have to do. No other way. Otherwise, it's, well... No one else will do it for them. Huh? Yeah, no one else will do yeah. it for them. Ab yeah? Absolutely. But uh, looking at the customer side and looking yeah, maybe... On the for the position point of view, so coming back a little bit more to uh, that strategy thing, how do you think is differ a differentiation possible from the competition when we're now coming to green products? You know, um, everyone tries to create now green products, a green uh, 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 banking account or uh, a green this and that, and. Uh, I get always confused. So uh, what, what do you think clients think about such stuff? See, my area of expertise is all about competitive strategies, competition, mm -hmm. and also competition policies. So I have to deal with that question basically on a daily basis. Yeah. How can we be different from the competition? Mm -hmm. Quality, technology, whatever. And now we have ESG. Mm -hmm. And I think this is a bit different from the rest because I think everyone has to have it. If we want to make our human humanity survive, then everyone has to invest in that. 
And of course, uh, if we have green products and there's competition out there, you have a variety of them. But we have also grown up customers and clients who could say, okay, I like this better than that one for whatever reasons. Mm -hmm. We all have different preferences. I would say there's enough room in terms of differentiation and uh, creating green products like we have seen it in so-called bio products. Mm -hmm. right? When we go to the supermarket, yeah. we have a huge variety of bio products as well. And most of them still are live. <laughs> Some of them make very good profits from it. Yeah, but can you uh, come back a little bit to the to this information thing that you were talking yeah. about? Uh, banks should look uh, look at it because we're living in confusing times. Absolutely, yeah? some a lot of things happening outside, and customers afraid of uh, prices for their energy now and don't understand anymore what this sustainability is all about. And then it comes to their banking account and and where they should invest. So how can banks help with products with information? to enable the customers so let me once again distinguish between private banking and yeah. corporate banking yeah. private banking I mean the two of us for example right yeah. we go we have a certain understanding of, of the whole business but we don't want to do the paperwork we're not really versatile in all the legal aspects mm. so what we need is a trusted advisor mm. on the banking side saying well I don't want to take advantage of you but this is how it looks like yeah? here you could uh, improve and if you do this and that you are better off than before. That would be quite helpful. At the corporate level, it's a different story because on the corporate side, you have very experienced people. Uh, so Yeah, but sometimes they also need a trusted yes, advisor. Yeah, they, a trusted huh? advisor. And this has to do with transparency and also some kind of honesty. And if I think back to what we call the honorable merchant or the honorable businessman, mm -hmm. this is part of the whole game. If I'm not transparent, if I'm not uh, doing uh, the best for my client, well, Competition will sweep, uh, sweep me away at some point. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, Jürgen, for that. So uh, now we're coming to the last question because we're running out of time. And uh, yeah, maybe there are some bankers out there, maybe in the call, they're saying we have always been sustainable. <laughs> But Jürgen, uh, you are also the academic director of the Institute for Responsible Leadership. I think uh, people maybe got that. Um, what is your advice uh, to the bankers at the screens? who really want to make their, con uh, their contribution to the world problem number one. So if you want to make a difference in this uh, very volatile and uncertain world, then you have to, be, you have to walk your talk. Yeah? You have to be clear, what is my purpose, my organization's purpose? What do we want to do good for the people out there? Not just your direct, impact, your real impact, impact. The real impact. Yeah. Yeah? on all these different dimensions to the environment, to society, and making sure that we really have good governance, that we take good care of our people, internal people, of our clients. And always understand, responsibility also means accountability. I can't just run away or break away from my responsibilities. I have to stay coarse. I have to tell people, this is what you got if you go down that path. Jürgen. Thank you very much for that. And thank That's you welcome. very much for the team here for inviting us. Uh, thank you, Daniel. Thank you, Jörg, uh, also for that. So this was our first live podcast session with Hope is Not a Strategy. You can follow us on LinkedIn, Spotify, and also Apple Podcast. And uh, yeah, we hope to see you soon. Thank you very much. Thank you.